Bailey, and on this belated episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'll be reviewing the first ever live-action Pokemon movie, Detective Pikachu, the three versions of the same story uh, leading up to the remake, um, Bedtime Story, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and The Hustle, and the out-of-nowhere biopic of J.R.R. Tolkien. Let's get started. Now, obviously, I've dealt with this pup before, so I'll just do it again. Hey, bud, what are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. Get me the hell out of here! Twist. That's very twisty. Get him! He's barely moving. Don't tell him that. Oh, he's on a bike. Quick, get in front of him. Stop. Oh, no. He's going down hard, Tim. Should have worn a helmet. So, I ended up uh, not being able to do the retrospective like I planned. Uh, I ended up just doing a Pokeathlon on Stardust instead, but... Um, I, you know, I think it comes down to the fact that I needed more time to plan out a full retrospective. I should have been doing this a year ahead of time. But uh, suffice to say that it was still fun to revisit all of the old Pokemon movies. And uh, I'm still doing the Godzilla ones uh, in the lead up to King of the Monsters. And that's its own interesting journey. Uh, so, so uh for Detective Pikachu, I never actually finished the game. I started playing it. I got the amiibo for it, which is a giant uh, amiibo for uh, uh, Pikachu in the detective hat. And I think the thing is, the game is not very good. It it's it's kind of uh, it's a puzzle game, but it's a very very. It's not a very good puzzle game. Like, it's not a very fun sort of way. Like, like I think even little kids could figure out the puzzles that they needed to solve early on. And it just kind of became tedious to play. So I never actually finished it. The story is interesting, which makes sense why they would turn that into the movie. But the game itself is not very fun. I never actually picked it up again. But uh, the movie is... Currently, my favorite Pokemon movie. Just out of, just full on my favorite Pokemon movie, and definitely one of my favorite for the year. Um, I think the story is its weakest point. Like like the game's story, it's kind, it's um, not very deep. But I think where it makes up for that is number one, the designs. The designs and the effects on the Pokemon are. Top notch. They are some of the best uh, CG effects for these things, and the best way to create these realistic versions of Pokemon without deviating too far from how we see them. Uh, like th- this is a this is what Pikachu would look like. It would have realistic fur, but it would still look like Pikachu. And this is what, um, you know, like Bulbasaur would have uh, slimy skin, or uh, Charizard would have scaly skin. Mewtwo would kind of be smooth and almost alien-like. You know, like all these things, these, these, the creature designs 
for this movie are amazing. And I think the other thing is Ryan Reynolds is actually fairly good. I know I know the fans really wanted Danny DeVito for some reason. I think just because I think just because hearing Danny DeVito's voice coming out of Pikachu is hilarious. But and also I think because uh, I, I don't know it, I think they wanted it for the dub of the game as well. But I think Ryan Reynolds works great. Um, Ryan Reynolds' mannerisms. Are solid for uh, for the for the for the sort of snarky detective, and uh, I think he works great. And he's and he's hilarious. Uh, you know, it is kind of Deadpool for kids to an extent, but at the same time, like I think he works really great, and um, and he's you know he's definitely a part of the reason to see this movie, and. You know, Justice Smith, after I really didn't like him in Jurassic World 2, uh, he is much better here. You know, I think he is able to help carry the movie from the human aspect, while Ryan Reynolds is definitely the reason to see this movie in terms of, like, actors. It's also interesting, uh, afterwards there was an article uh, in an interview with Bill Nighy, who plays the mayor of... Not the mayor, um... He plays the uh, head of this uh, corporation, uh, the president of this company, who is involved in the plot, and it t- like it turned out uh, during the make of this movie, he got re- he kind of dug into the Pokemon's lore and story. And he got really into it. His favorite Pokemon is Mew, which it you know it's that solid choice. Bill Nighy's got got a favorite Pokemon, and it's a good and he, he picks Mew like. And he picks me because of the uh, the lore behind it, and you know you can't argue with that. So he's got good taste. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the whole the the main thing I had issue with was the story, which was it could have been better. But what we got was solid. Like it was a decent uh, mystery, uh, kind of predictable. But at the same time, it's also for kids. And if you played the game, you kind of know where the twists were coming. But it still was fun to watch and play out. And, uh, you know, the, once again, the Pokemon designs were great. Uh, the action scenes were were very well choreographed and animated. Uh, the, music is gr- the music is really good for this. Um, it's a great mix of these weird... It's, it's, a, it's an eclectic soundtrack. Because you got this one bit where the Loudritters... Um, our speakers for the sound system and they and it's and they're like actually making this noises for dubstep <laughs> and it's it's real it's but then you also got you know your standard orchestral score and and then there's a bit of like sort of um carpenter style keyboard like minimalism like it's a it's an interesting soundtrack i gotta give it to the the composer for this. Uh, if you download the soundtrack, it you won't be disappointed. Um, I'm trying to think what else I I needed to talk about. I yeah, I'm not going to spoil too much, and this and I don't really need to gush about the spoilers like I did with Endgame. But um, I I just got to say, yeah, Detective Pikachu is my is my favorite Pokemon movie. I won't say it's the Best, just because I know that's still subjective, but 
per- personally, it is my favorite right now simply because of bringing these Pokemon to life the way they did worked great, and it's the one I definitely would rewatch the most. Um, so I definitely can't wait to see uh, see it again when I get the chance. I'll probably I'll definitely buy it on like on home video when it, when it comes out, but definitely go out and see this, especially if you're a fan of Pokemon. It is. This is a highlight of 2019, to be sure. Men always underestimate us, and that is what we use. You let her get away! Trashy dressing, did it again. Release the peasants! She must mean pheasants, yeah? Don't worry, darling, she's a terrible shot. <laughs> So I'd never seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and with The Hustle coming out being a remake of that, I dug into the the um, the whole sort of arc of this story being told. It, number one, it started off in a 1964 movie starring Marlon Brando and David Niven uh, called Bedtime Story. It's from the uh, screenwriter of Pillow Talk, which is, which I've heard is a really solid rom-com from that era. And here, this bedtime story, it's it's really bad. It is the worst version of this of this story by far. Uh, the story, uh, if you've seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, it carries over through all three. You have um, one, a con artist. Um, you have two con artists. One is a very aristocratic, uh, high-level con artist who pl- you know who pretends to be like a prince and these high, you know these very high high-profile sort of things. And then you have a more uh, street-level con artist uh, who is able to play people based on like little things. Like uh, in bedtime story, it was. Uh, oh, my grandmother used to live here. Oh, my grand. So, my grandmother. This is my used to be my grandmother's house, and uh, oh, that's so sweet. But yeah, bedtime story is super sexist and misogynistic, and and the the whole the whole series. Uh, the they keep having this very ableist subplot to it, and it's just not very. Very funny, ultimately. Bedtime Story is the least funny because the jokes have aged like milk. And they were just so, so bad. Like, my mom grew up in the 60s. Uh, so this she would have been, you know, a teenager when this came out. And when we were watching this, uh, she, was, she came in and watched a bit of it. And she, even she realized, oh, no, this is garbage. Then This isn't very funny at all. So... So it's not like even she had nostalgia for it or anything like that. It's just like, oh, I've never seen this before. Oh, yeah, this is garbage. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so even somebody from who grew up at the time could wa- watch, could wa- was watching this with me, and they did not care for it. They, could, they were bored by it. And it's boring, to say the least. And when I brought up Pillow Talk, she was like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. So it's like... The same, you know, it's like knowing, um, it's like knowing, uh, the, the cat, the, you know, the guy who did the effects for Norbit, um, 
the like the the costuming and the the special effects for Norbit won an Academy Award. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh yeah, you you also made this turd. Yeah, uh huh. I think he, he won an Academy Award. I, I I am not sure, but yeah, bedtime story. Uh, Marlon Brando is not very it, like Brando and Niven are good actors, but their characters are just so terribly written, and the story is so just not very good that it's that you that you shouldn't like watching this was like homework. You don't even bother. Like it's for free on YouTube. You can just watch it on YouTube, but I wouldn't. Tell, I I can't tell you to watch it, like. The only reason I like the only reason to watch it is to kind of get an understand, kind of see where this whole storyline originated from. But even then, it's you, you, you just you just shouldn't bother. It, it's just not very good. And then um, the remake, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, is better. Uh, I think because the characterizations for Michael Caine and Steve Martin um, are more interesting. They're more compelling than uh, Marlon Brando and David Niven. It's weird to think that a character played by Steve Martin was better than it was done by Marlon Brando, but I think you know some char- some new characterizations and some new writing uh, helped that. I think it also helped that Bedtime Story had a happy ending out of nowhere, which didn't feel earned at all. Whereas Dirty Rotten Scoundrels had a much more cynical ending, and it had a much more you know it had a, a it, you know it, it made more sense uh, given that this is all about con artists and. Um, you know, I think Dirty Rotten Scandals isn't a an amazing movie. It's not, a, you know, it's not, a, you know, I didn't love it, but it's be- perfectly average. I think the biggest issues with me is they the there is a lot from Bedtime Story they kept in, namely that there's one of their first cons that they pulled together is about a a special, not how do I put a, a mentally challenged brother. Basically like, oh, you're going to marry into my family, then you're going to have to meet my, you know, brother that we keep locked up and is portrayed to be mentally challenged. That is always rung to me like, not funny. That's just not funny to me at all. It it definitely, it was, it's been, the, the way Martin and Brando played it are not... Are, are the worst, I think, just because they played specifically as, you know, mentally challenged. But um, it's still just not a very funny, funny con. It's not, a, it's not funny in the slightest. Um, and it's, and it's in, and it's in all three versions. I don't get why. And then, um, and then of course the main con has to do with, uh, in the first two being bound to a wheelchair, um, and yeah, it's ve- it, it's it's not very funny still, but it, it, it yeah, you know, it's not as bad as the mentally challenged bit. I think just because they make sure that it's like psychosomatic and they don't make it like I mean, it's still pretty bad, but at the same point, like yeah, it's it's just not very funny. Um, but yeah, it's I, I mean, I will say Michael Caine and Martin are the reason to watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Their their chemistry together is solid. They're very they work great off of each other. But it, the story for me is just not very not very compelling. Uh and the and the comedy is just stuff I don't find all that funny. 
I just don't find Dirty Rotten Scoundrels to be all that funny. Or it's, especially its predecessor, Bedtime Story. Just they're, they're just not that funny to me. They don't play the kind of humor that that works for me. And, um, yeah, so Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is the best version of the story in that it's perfectly average. You know, it's not something to write home about. It's not amazing. Uh, and then, and so a remake would be fine, especially if you're going to switch it off and have it be about two women con artists. And they hint in the trailer that they're going to try and make this about women's empowerment and playing off of sexist sexism and misogyny in society and then and that there's hints of that in the first act and then it just becomes a straight up and then it just continues to be a straight up you know retelling of the same plot like none of that ever comes up again and i think that's a complete missed opportunity because you didn't need to to trace over the plot line for the previous two movies you could have just you know copied it and then done a new story to coincide with these themes that you were hinting at but then never went anywhere with you know um uh the hustle is not the hustle is definitely not as good as dirty rotten scoundrels mainly because um it's the same story but not as good because once you've seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, if you watch The Hustle, you're just like, I just watched the same thing, but that was done, but not as good. It's like a bad, it's like a, it's like a decent cover song, you know? It's just like, oh, it's that same song I could be listening to right now. Um, Anne Hathaway is the only reason to see The Hustle at all. She is a joy to watch. But Rebel Wilson is basically doing her usual shtick. Like, it's not very, you know, she doesn't, as much as, you know, she's a badass behind the scenes and she was able to argue against the MPAA from making it an R-rated movie to bringing it down to PG-13, which is pretty much where it belongs. This is not an R-rated movie, but because there were references to female genitalia, the MPAA wanted to make it R. And Rebel Wilson, who is a lawyer, who is a, you know, trained lawyer, uh, you know, went to the MPAA and argued about how that's completely sexist that may you know PG-13 movies can talk about dicks all they want but men, you know three references to to women's genitalia makes this an R-rated movie and you know they could they had to back down and make it a PG-13 which is exactly where it belonged this is not an R-rated movie this is a PG-13 rated movie um but at the same point yeah it's the you know she's a badass behind the scenes on screen, it's just her usual shtick. Like, this is her usual com- style of comedy, and it's just not something I find all that funny. You know? She... And once again, this could have been about sexism and how... And and how, you know, sexist, sexism pits women against each other. There's, like, all these interesting themes you could have done with, but it never goes there. And I think it's because most of the screenwriters for the remake were men. I think there was a... Let me pull up the IMDb. Who were the screenwriters for this? It didn't go... Hold on. It didn't go right to IMDb for some reason. Okay. Uh, Here we go. The Hustle. Written by Stanley Shapiro and Paul Henning. But I think those, those were the original bedtime... 
yeah, Stanley Shapiro, Paul Henning were the original screenwriters. Jay Schaefer was one, so there was, but I never heard of any of her stuff. But she's also slated to write for the Black Widow uh, and for WandaVision over on Disney Plus this year. So she wrote for Disney. Olaf. She wrote the Olaf. She wrote on the Olaf's Frozen Adventure. So she's she's basically just getting started. Um, she's not really established. And then Dale Lawner, it. Okay, so a woman did read this, because he's just credited for being the screenwriter for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And he wrote My Cousin Vinny. So once again, you got a guy who wrote, who was able to write great comedy, and then his, and then his, uh, his, and then his, and you know, and then you've got his other thing, which is not very, you know, which is not very good. So the screenwriter for this version was a woman. But at the same point, I feel like it's so beholden because it feels like that's the other thing is Stanley Shapiro and Paul Henning keep getting credit for screenwriting just because they've taken so much from their original screenplay. And then Paul Henning gets a credit for so much being taken from. It's like it's like screenplay uh, homeopathy, where it's just like drop a drop of water in each thing and it's just distill distillation of the storyline. And it's just, oh, boy. So, yeah, uh. I think that's the problem with that is that this is basically screenplay homeopathy and it just continually gets distilled and there's only time one time it got better. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I hope Jay Schaefer does better when she's writing her original stuff and she's not behold and she's able to work, you know, her own screenplay without being beholden to this stupid plot line. But, uh, yeah, suffice to say that the hustle is just not as good as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It's not even as good as being average. On top of that, like, that's the other thing, is the effects in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, there weren't very many. It was just all on the set. And then here, there is a... The end of the movie takes place on a green screen when it had no reason to take place on a green screen. Like, the first, like the previous movie could film at an airport, and here you film... You clearly filmed on a green screen... You couldn't just film at an airport? You cheapos? You seriously had to do a... You had to do the whole ending in green screen? Very badly done green screen? Oh. Yeah, it's just... The Hustle could have been an even better version. And yet, it just could didn't go far enough. It never... Stri- I do. I do think... Changing the disability from I can't not unable to walk to being blind is it, it doesn't really change the fact that you're still being ableist and you know and it's just basically a terrible you know sort of like hey hey and then funny being disabled like the joke is being disabled ultimately like and that and that's the thing and then they make uh, instead of just being like like uh mentally challenged not just like mentally challenged in that they are almost childlike which is what bedtime story and dirty rotten scoundrels did it they had um rebel wilson play a sort of um like almost feral character like like the character was uh, like almost animalistic but then also very like unhinged from reality 
and they tried to better explain the con behind it, but the con do- still doesn't make any sense. Like, how does the con- the con is like, oh, uh, thank you for proposing, but then you'll have to meet my sibling, and it's then it's like, but what about your ring? Keep the ring. You're telling me that's like the wet the the proposal's off, but they give up this pri- this this expensive jewelry like. It, the con doesn't make any sense at all. So, yeah, this whole ordeal has just been uh, a waste. And definitely The Hustle is my... Oh, yeah, Detective Pikachu is the pick of the week. And The Hustle is for sure the unpopped kernel. It's not even the best version of this story, so don't even bother. This is more than just a friendship. It's an alliance, an invincible alliance. A fellowship. These biopics are coming out of nowhere. Like, I don't even remember them being announced. Uh... No, this past week we also saw the the trailer drop for Judy, which is the Judy Garland biopic starring Renee Zellweger. Like, where did this come from? Are they, are they just keeping these under wraps now? <laughs> I had no idea these were even coming out. So yeah, Tolkien came right the hell out of nowhere, and it was the only other one I wasn't able to get to get to see Palms this weekend just because of time constraints. But yeah, for some reason, uh. Yeah, this Tolkien biopic came right the hell out of nowhere. I didn't even know it was coming out. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely... If you know anything about Tolkien, you know he has a very interesting life to make a, to make a movie about. Like, you know, he, he grew up um, sort of a uh, ward of the, of the Catholic Church. He was a very devoutly Catholic man, and that influenced his writings. And he went, you know, he fought in World War One, and that... And, and he... Had this fellow, he did have this group of friends he, that he thought of as a fellowship that kind of influenced the way he thought of friendship, and that influenced the fellowship creation in the Lord of the Rings. And he was, a fa- you know, he's always fascinated by language and creating. He made up his own languages, and he loved mythologies, and he loved building mythologies, and he, you know, he became a professor at Oxford even. And it's just like he hung out with C.S. Lewis. So I mean, you could do a mini series about the man's life but d- just focusing on the or- on his young on his youth on him growing up it definitely has the possibility for making an interesting story but i think this movie suffers the most from just being so- a by the numbers biopic like it doesn't like i think the and not only that i think it also focuses way too much on poke on pointing to us and saying hey this hey you remember this you remember the fellowship here he is saying fellowship hey you know how you know how he's all about mythologies and dragons and Mordor, and you don't want to know where mordor came from it was no man's land and you want to know hey 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 look there's a character named sam here who takes good care of him huh Huh? Yeah, that person never existed in real life. They just felt there's this weird fascination with explaining where every, it was almost like a prequel 
explaining where everything you loved came from. <laughs> holy, holy crap, it's the Patton Oswalt bit, you know? You know, it, it, and you like Darth Vader? Well, here he is as a boy on Tatooine, and he loses his mom, and he's very sad. <laughs> I don't want to know where the stuff I loved came from. I just want the stuff I love. You want some ice cream? Well, here's a bag of rock salt. If you mix it with milk and cream and sugar, you got yourself some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. It, it's so weird that that bit, bit continues to be relevant. That bit continues to be relevant because Hollywood never learns. We don't care about where the stuff we love came from. We just love the stuff we love. <laughs> we don't need to know that Samwise was not, totally not, but kind of... Totally not inspired by a character that saved his life in World War One and made sure that Mr. Tolkien, Mr. Tolkien, he did, did, Mr. Samwise was not based on an actual person. God, you had to make stuff up just so you could fit in like, hey, here's Sam. You like Sam? You love Sam. Here's where Sam comes from. That's not where Sam came from. Here's where Sam came from. Like, that's the big weakness for this movie is that... They felt the need to explain. And then there's like weird hallucinations during his time in World War One, where he's seeing like dragons show up and riders on horseback and they don't look anything like any like any actual characters from, from Middle Earth. Uh, but like none of that ever happened. He never, even during the, during the most... Yeah, like, he did catch some form of sickness while he's in the trenches. But even during his, the heights of his fevers, he never hallucinated. Like, Tolkien never hallucinated stuff from Middle Earth. This, that was just the way to visualize, hey, this is Tolkien. Here's a dragon. Here's, yo, let's make the, let's make the title drop look like that scene where the ring is falling down. Like, it's just... So weirdly devoted to pandering to Lord of the Rings fans. And I think that's the biggest flaw in this. Is that, yes, we know he created Middle-Earth and Lord of the Rings. How about you just talk about him? How about instead of pandering to us, you just talk about the dude? It would be like... It, you know what it reminded me of is, that, is the man who invented Christmas. Because... There was, I, as far as we know, there was no point where Dickens had a mental breakdown and imagined all the characters he was creating. But they decided to take what could have been just a story about Charles Dickens and pander to everyone who who loves uh, the uh, loves a Christmas Carol. But here's all your favorite characters from a Christmas Carol, and they're talking to Dickens, and oh my goodness, look at this! And it's like, no. None of that ever happened. Why are you just... You're just making stuff up now. Quit making stuff up. Ugh. Anyway, um... Tolkien's not bad. Uh, Nicholas Holt and Lily Collins uh, are good. Uh, as Tolkien and his future wife, Edith Bratt. Um, I think that's her name. Yeah, Edith Bratt. And, um... You know, I think they play the character... I think they play... Their, their portrayals are solid... But once again, like, it just, the it, all the problems stem from the screenwriting and from the omissions. Like, all my problems with this 
could have been dealt with by just telling the filmmakers, hey, you don't need to make stuff up. You don't need to pander. You can just talk. We're not, we don't need to use this movie as a backdoor prequel to explain where the middle, where Middle Earth came from. We can just talk about how Tolkien was an interesting, like, they vastly leave out how devoutly Catholic he was. There's only some references. Like, they don't even mention the fact that Edith was for, like, there's only one passing reference to the fact that his, his, uh, the, the pastor who took care of him and was in charge, and was his, uh, guardian didn't like that Edith was Protestant. There's, like, one passing reference to her not being Catholic, and then it's just never brought up again. But, like, Tolkien himself was very vocal about how his Catholicism helped form Middle Earth as a as a creation and as the, and helped inform the mythology itself. So to omit that felt very disingenuous. You know, reminds me of the Leo Zamper. Le, I think Leo Zamperini, uh, the guy who uh, the Unbreakable guy. Um, unbroken. The 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 Olympic runner who was uh, POW. He had the movie by Angelina Jolie about him, and then there was a a Christian version that continued the story. Whereas, if Unbroken had just acknowledged he was a devout Christian, and that helped kind of inform his later life, it, if it didn't only tell half the story, we wouldn't need two movies. This this leaves out, I think, and and it's and it kind of caters to the argument that Hollywood it has it doesn't it, it, you know it does a disservice to Christians in that when you they tell stories about devout Christians they leave out the Christianity because they're because they care more about making things watered down and generic and making catering to people to all to catering to a, a wide enough. But that's the thing; it's not just a. You know, it's a, a secularism thing. It's a money thing. These are all money decisions. These are people with money saying, people, the people, you know, with the money, they're saying, we need to make this, we can't, we have to make this more secular because then we'll, that'll reach a wider audience and we won't piss off, you know, by, by singling out a single, by singling out things like he was Catholic. Well, that well, that means that if we mention that he, if we talk about how he was Catholic, then the people who are not Catholic will won't care so much about this movie. They won't pay money to see it. But like, then you're doing a disservice to the to the actual man who was a devout Catholic. So it's like, like I'm not practicing Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but and I and I'm an atheist now. But even I acknowledge that when the dude was devoutly Catholic, and you completely ignored that. It does feel disingenuous, just as a biopic, and I wouldn't care if you if you you know if you included that. In fact, I would have liked it better because at least you're being honest. Uh, and yeah, so I think so. I think it's not just a thing against religion. It's like we have to erase a re- religion from it entirely. It's more of just. We want the most money we can get. If we make it about religion, then only the religious people will see it. We need to make make everyone see this movie. It's definitely a very cynical capitalist reasoning, I'm sure. I I highly doubt that it's just because, because, you know, some sort of atheist or secular plot against religion. It's just they want the most money they can get. The most money they can get is from secular 
from making things more secular. So, yeah, Tolkien, it was it was middling. It was fine. It was well made enough, but the storyline and the pandering just did, made me not care. You know, I would have cared more if they had actually told us more about Tolkien. They did. They were honest for most of it. It's just for some reason they felt the need to pander, and there's no reason to. So yeah, that was uh, what I saw this past weekend. Uh, sorry for the big delay. And once again, you know, my work, my day. I gotta, I gotta worry about my day job first. Um, but yeah, now, now that that's all out of the way, uh, we'll take a quick break, and we're gonna talk about some Pokemans at the movies. Into every generation, a Slayer is born. One girl in all the world, a chosen one, and alongside her are the Watchers. We are the Watchers. Once more with Feeling is a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast where we gather and watch episodes of Buffy, discuss them, and release it every Tuesday. Grr. Arg. Episodes, if you've been following for a while, was me kind of talking about what I would want from a Pokemon movie because that was about the time that Detective Pikachu was announced, and um, and so I never actually went into the actual Pokemon movies themselves, and so in, during this deep dive and rewatching not only just the movies but all the specials, I kind of come to the realization that the movies are just not very good. Most of them are average, and then the re- and then there's only a few really good ones, and uh, we'll talk about them. But uh, yeah, uh, I did want to give my definitive ranking for anybody who cared. Um, I, li- I this is also over on my Letterboxd uh, for anyone who's on there. If you look for Popcorn Junkie uh, on Letterboxd, you can follow me there and get sort of my kind of like with Stardust, you can get my um, my thoughts on the. Uh, on what I've seen, on what I'm watching, I usually leave like a brief review of stuff, um, and so you can kind of you can continue to see what I'm thinking of the Godzilla movies as I'm watching them in the lead up to King of the Monsters. Um, but yeah, I I also made a list of the rankings for what I thought of each movie, and for uh, for the Pokemon movies and specials, most of them were. Three and below stars, just because they just most of them are just kind of average, and I think I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem with the movies is that they kind of are just that like their canonicity is debatable, and uh, and the storylines are kind of the same each time. It's just Ash meets the legendary of the week. And then we also sometimes promote uh, an upcoming game. So it's just like, it feels very much like a marketing ploy at a lot of points, uh, which I'll get into. So look, going down the list, Detective Pikachu, five out, five out of five stars, currently my favorite Pokemon movie. But below that, my previous favorite Pokemon movie, Spell of the Unknown. Uh, I still think that has the best story out of all the Pokemon movies. And 
they have yet to replicate what you know Molly's character arc. It's just a genuinely great movie uh, overall. Below that, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Uh, once again, a solid Pokemon movie. Uh, a very you know very good Pokemon movie and better than the usual just because of they once again. Don't just make it Ash meets the Legendary of the Week. It's a very story, you know, the story is much more driven than that with uh, Ash losing Pikachu and having to go after him. Uh, below that, The Power of Us, which I rewatched. I didn't get into it the first time. I think it was just because I, w- I didn't notice it before. But on rewatch, I noticed just how gorgeous the animation was. And I, once again, really love the eclectic cast of characters. You have a con artist, you kind of, you kind of a con artist uh, uncle who want, just wants to try and make it, you know, constantly lies and it, it has to, and then has to kind of deal with the fact that he's never really been an honest man and then he, but he wants to, and he finally wants to be because of his niece and he wants to be a good uncle. Uh, you have this older woman whose backstory is tied into what's going on in the story. Uh, you have this really cutely designed girl with Risa. I wish Risa became a, the, a, an ongoing companion for Ash because her her the fact that she had no knowledge of Pokemon, she was so focused on her own thing and that she was a runner... And now she's like this really, really interestingly designed and cute girl. And I I really wish that she and Ash were, were, you know, she would, she kind of would get in, like, the event of this movie and her, and her befriending this Eevee would have made her uh, become more engaged in this Pokemon world. And so she wants to follow Ash and kind of hang out with him since he knows what he's doing. Uh, like, the, more stuff with Risa would be amazing just because I love her like her character and her design and her mannerisms like everything about her is these really cute and interesting um i think the weakest one is the is the introverted scientist who just has a problem with public speaking and is very awkward uh i think he's just the just the more most stereotypical character the mayor's daughter is 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 is, you know is interesting in that she ends up you know her involvement in the plot it is due to wanting to protect um, Zero Aura, who is the sort of uh, promotional character for this movie. That's the most we get to promoting a thing that's going on. Most of it is actually just its own story, and the showcase of diff- all kinds of different Pokemon. Uh, like this, ma- this movie made me love Pseudo Wudo. Uh, I had no feelings on Pseudo Wudo before, even from Brock's, but watching it here really made me love it again. It made me love it all in an all new way like both pseudo wudo is really off-putting but watching pseudo wudo in this movie was really fun so yeah power of us is definitely way better than i gave it credit for so if you haven't definitely check it out it's 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 its own real thing and i think the only real weaknesses are this weird pokemon youtuber thing that's going on and then the revelation of who's behind it is really stupid but and then the storyline um, itself could have, I don't know, I, I don't know how I would have changed it to make it better, but I, I felt like it was weak, it, it wasn't as good as it could have been, but it's definitely better than a lot of stuff. But yeah, Power of Us is, a, is an excellent Pokemon movie, way more than I thought it would, you know, for some reason I wasn't into it before, and now I am, and now I love it. Um 
After that, Pokemon Heroes. Uh, Pokemon Heroes, Latios and Latias. Um, that was, once again, because it doesn't follow the usual formula. It's its own thing. You've got Pokemon Venice. Uh, you've got the, you know, Latias in this weird shipping relationship with Ash. It's hard to see. Yeah, because that, that, that girl at the end was definitely not um, the human girl. It was definitely Latias because... The human girl had no interest in Ash the whole movie. The only version of... The only the only girl... The only one of the two who showed any interest in Ash was Latias. So, w- let's be real here. Um, also, if it was the girl, she would have said something. Like, Latio, Like, why would she not say anything? You know? Uh, that was definitely Latias. Anyway, um... Yeah, I think the story... You know, the story has, uh has weight it you know there's you know characters give themselves up sacrifice themselves uh for the greater good and and the villains are interesting and fun so yeah it's it's a it's a it's one of the better pokemon movies um below that is the first one mewtwo strikes back i still think that holds up fairly well but just once again it's could have been way better and the dubbing was kind of off putting and and the storyline is you know it was a great way to first bring pokemon to the big screen but it's definitely not the best movie we could get out of pokemon um that, next we have volcanion and the mechanical marvel uh it's 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 another generic um once again the storyline is ash meets the legendary of the week but I think it helps here that they have like the gimmick of Ash and Volcanion having to be having to be handcuffed together, and um, I do think the villains are pretty weak and uh, what they want to do with Magirna. But but it's just got a lot of charm. It's got a lot of the charm that came from the X and Y era of the animation. Also the the climatic fight between Ash's Pokemon and eventually um, Squishy, uh, who the Zygarde. Um, who uh versus all these different mega evolutions was was a highlight for sure um after after that we've got Arceus and the Jewel of Life I think the biggest I think this movie would have been even better if they if Dan Green had played Arceus instead of this the director <laughs> the fact that the director himself provided the dub for God was a bad sign because you should have clearly had Dan Green voice Poke God like how can you not have Dan? You have Dan Green's voice, and you don't let you don't have him voice God. <laughs> um, but after that, the time travel interest bit is interesting. I do think it could have, yo, know, spent more time with the previous movies, really setting up that there was an overarching storyline throughout instead of like cramming it all together in the last one. But. You know, I do, and I do think Arceus and the Jewel of Life is a solid Pokemon movie in its own right, and this is definitely a little bit above average, but it could have been even better. After that is I Choose You, uh, the first one to deviate from tying into the main main TV series and doing its and basically, I think I like I liked I Choose You more the first time, and I liked it more than The Power of Us. And on rewatch, I realized that those ratings were flipped because I Choose You is deaf and while it's really well animated and the bits with Ho-Oh are interesting and having Ash kind of give in to his inner darkness, um, like those are all interesting bits, but it never really goes anywhere because it's, 
half of it is just retelling highlights from the anime. It's a highlight reel and, you know, a tribute to the, the to the anime. Like, Ash catches Caterpie just so he can release it as Butterfree. And it's like, doesn't have any of the weight or impact that when Ash actually get, gave away Butterfree did. And, like, the whole bit with uh, Charmeleon. Like, there was an actual real character arc to Ash's Charmeleon in the anime. Ash's Charmander and Char- eventually Charizard in the anime. And all of that's gone here because, you know, Charmeleon conti- you know never stops obeying Ash. So he never has to prove himself to be a better trainer to Charizard for it to obey. And... Yeah, it's just like, hey, Ash has a Charizard. Remember that from the anime? It's like Chris Farley's show. You remember when Ash's Charmander fully evolved into Charizard? And that was fun. And that was nice. See, <laughs> um, so yeah, I Choose You suffers a lot from wanting to pay tribute to the anime without the main series anime, without ever actually go- going into the major depths. I do think the recreation of how Ash got Pikachu and how the journey started off is 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 a nice condensed version of that first episode. But once and it's, but yeah, it's just it it could have been way better. Um, following that, we've got Diancie in the Cocoon of Destruction. Once again, Ash meets the Legendary of the Week. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I, it's it's hard to really talk about some of these movies because it's just Ash meets the legendary of the week, um, but yeah, I will say it's it's fine. Um, next up, right, and then after that, Rise of Darkrai. Once again, it's just fine. It's I had I was into it more as a kid because I was really into uh, pearl shipping, which was Ash shipped shipped with Dawn, and. Here it was very heavy on that bit. Like there, you saw real, you saw a lot of real solid evidence for their for them for their relationship. And I just was into that era of the anime, so I was way into this. But on rewatch, it's just fairly average. It's once again Ash Mesa Legendaries of the Week, and the plot is just about them existing and try, and just trying to stop some sort of calamity calamity and destruction from the legendaries and, and it just doesn't really go anywhere ultimately uh we go we get to the first of the specials with um Pokemon Origins it's the best special but i feel like it's once again its biggest issue is that it's just a highlight reel of the Pokemon Red and Blue storyline and while it while we while it's like it is a highlight and we get and it's cool to see these events from the game be brought to life it's i it, i would have preferred it being its own like extended series like its own season to really get a notion for these characters and i think the pro- also the dubbing is really bad it's not it's terrible dubbing uh from pokemon like <laughs> probably some of the worst uh cuz four kids at least had solid dubbing actors and they knew had and they had good voice actors and then the only time the dubbing in the movies was was bad was like the first time Pokemon company took over for dubbing themselves from four kids uh after that they were just fine and but in the, the origins here is really bad dubbing and it could have been way better like all the characters sound like they're played by the same actor honestly it just just so bland uh yeah, so Origins is a fun tribute. It's a better anniversary special than Mastermind of Mirage Pokemon. We'll get into that. 
but ultimately it's just could have it could have been even better i think i feel like the anniversary bit with pokemon generations where just all the shorts uh taken taken from the games was was leagues better than origins was then origins had more time and stuff to do they were actual like episodes and whatnot uh after that is De- Destiny Deoxys. Uh, the best of the... No, it's not the best, because Lucario in Mystery of Mew is part of the uh, advanced generation. But yeah, Destiny Deoxys it, it's a meandering story, and the only real highlights are like Rayquaza fighting with, uh, with Deoxys in the city, and their battle, their kaiju-style battle. That's a, really all it has going for it. Uh... The, the story itself doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and it's not amazing. So, it's not one I really plan on revisiting. Pokemon 2000 is very overrated. I think I think one of the biggest problems with this franchise, you see it in I Choose You as well, is that the idea that there's this underpinning of trying to make of making Ash this typical show uh, shonen hero, which is like he is the chosen one, only he can do this thing, and so it's like he's the rainbow kid, he's the rainbow warrior, and he's the he he has an or he has the same aura as this great ancient hero, and he's the chosen one from the legend. the The world shall turn to ash, and it's like. He can just be a kid who does his best to say Pokemon, help Pokemon. He can, doesn't need to be some chosen one again and again. Because the Orbit, guess what? Never comes up again. We never see Ash exhibit Aura outside of the movie. And Aura's never even really a thing uh, again. It was just a weird one-time gimmick that nobody got into. So they just dropped it. It's just... Yeah, Pokemon 2000 is a very overrated movie. Nowhere near, it's not as nowhere anywhere bleh, as good as the first movie. It's a real step down. And it kind of led me to have a thing with up until Lucario and the Mystery of Mew that the even numbered that the odd numbered movies were good, even numbered movies were bad because they continued to do that again and again. So, yeah, 2000 is not very good. Zoroark and Master of Illusion once again, it's just like this weird Bakugan soccer thing with a top and three and teams of Pokemon fighting. Uh, Zoroark is an interesting character introduction, and Zoroa is, but Zoroa gets even though Zoroa isn't a legendary or mythic Pokemon, it gets telepathy because it's a movie protagonist. Um, but, and then, uh, yeah, they, we got shiny, shiny legendary beasts, so at least there's that, but ultimately, like, the, Zorark and the Master of Illusion is just another meandering storyline that barely involves Ash at all, that didn't even need Ash to take part in the story, he's just there. Um, follow that up with Pokemon Ranger and the Temple of the Sea. Better than the anime. If you watched the anime at the time and you noticed and you and you cut from the four kids to the first ever um, Pokemon Company dub, there's a real dip in quality, and you see that more with uh, once again Mastermind of Mirage Pokemon. We'll get to it. Uh, but Ranger in the Temple of the Sea is better in terms of the dubbing, and the only real problem is that it's just a a, a weird storyline that Ash is just there. 
as a, as, as, as like, like he's being dragged along by the plot, like a kid being dragged along by its mom. And the best, I mean, the thing with May kind of becoming Manaphy's mom was interesting, but once again, the plot never really goes anywhere. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, this title. Pokemon, the number four ever. Doesn't make any damn sense as a title. Uh, Celebi, the use of Celebi uh, in this movie is why the GS ball went nowhere in the anime, even though they could have clearly done both because it's not like the legendary Pokemon never show up in the anime. Lugia shows up in the anime well long after 2000. So it's like they didn't need to not... To, to ruin that part of the anime that's been going on, that they dragged it forever to make it all about Celebi and then never go anywhere just for this lame movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, t- Celebi time travels to the future. They, f- they make sure in the dub to emphasize that, oh, yes, they are. this is definitely Professor Oak, whereas... If you watch the original movie, you only get that revealed during the credits, and that would have been a neat twist. But to have it, like, hammered into your head that, yes, this is, in fact, Professor Oak. Okay, movie, yeah, we get it. So, yeah, it's... the whole, Then, like, this giant wooden Celebi mech, uh, the dark balls, like, everything about this movie is just not very good. And... It, 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 I, it is definitely one of the worst of the four kids era movies. Um, going down the list, Genesect and the Legend Awakened. Not as bad as people think. I know it's not good, but Genesect and the Legend Awakened, like everyone complained about how, oh, Mute, why does Mewtwo have a girl's voice now? Well, because this is clearly not the Kanto Mewtwo, because this one also has the access to Mega Evolution, which that one did not. Like, once again, they established very early on that this is not, in fact, the same. In fact, they established that this Mewtwo was created by Team Plasma, not by Team Rocket. Like, did you not watch the movie? I mean, I get it was boring and it was hard to watch and this era of the anime was terrible. The black and white anime was really bad, man. Ash had the bet, had the widest variety in his team out of all of the seasons, but... The anime was so terrible to watch just because Iris and Ceylon were absolutely the worst companions. Um, but yeah, Genesect and the Legend Awakened is it was it's fine. Like it it's not it like it's not anything to write home about, but it just really isn't very good either. It's just it's just forgettable. It's just ultimately forgettable and. The best of the Unova anime is two stars. That's all I'm saying. Um, Hoopa in the Class of Ages, definitely the worst of the XY anime. Uh, It's an extended battle between legendary Pokemon, and it's only there to really promote Oras and, um, like, specifically Oras, because you have Primal Groudon, Primal Kyogre, Mega Latios and Latias, and a shiny Mega Rayquaza. Gee, I wonder what game they're promoting. So yeah, Hoopa itself is not a very interesting Pokemon. The plotline with Hoopa and the Hoopa Unbound form is isn't very fun. It's just the whole endeavor feels like a missed up. Feels like a, a, a way to be cramming everything, all the legendary Pokemon into one movie, 
so that they can be like, hey, all the legendaries, by the way, buy this new game, buy this new game, buy this new game. So, yeah, definitely the worst of the XY movies. Uh, below that is Jirachi Wishmaker. Uh, really just the first movie from the advanced uh, series was about Max, the most annoying character in the anime at the time. Just Max is such a terrible character and he is outshined by Molly in um, X and Y. She does the Max, like the little kid who can't have Pokemon yet uh, uh, character way better than Max. Max was just a know-it-all little brat. Like even in his first introduction where he pretends to be the gym leader, he's he's just a brat and an unlikable character. Whereas Molly is such a sweetheart, and she's just she you know, she acts like a you know she acts like one a, a, a naive sweet little kid who tries who keeps trying to hook up her brother with every cute what that was such a cute twist on the hitting on all the girls aspect where it's just like it's in a Brock hitting on every girl he sees and having to be dragged away. It's Molly is like, hey, you're cute, you'd love my brother, and and her brother has to be like. Can you not? Can you not? This is not... I'll meet a girlfriend in my own time. I don't need you just embarrassing me all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 adorable. So yeah. Um, yeah, Max is a, was a terrible character to focus on for the first advanced movie. And it's, this is just a well, boring movie. And like the, the weird hentai, like Lovecraftian Groudon... Doesn't make any sense. Like, none of this movie is very good. Uh, the, the first of the, the... The only real direct-to-video movie we ever got from Pokemon is next with Mewtwo Returns. And it's so low on the list, mainly because it has no reason to exist. Like, the best thing about it is the drying pan bit. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Like, that's the best thing about this movie. Uh, the animation is TV, is like slightly above TV quality. It, it the storyline is rehashing all the stuff Mewtwo learned at, after the end of the first movie. Like the only thing really going for it is Team Rocket trying to take over Mute, take back Mewtwo, and but like the clone Pokemon, like why? The, literally, the only ones besides Mewtwo who wouldn't fit in are the starters because they have all those markings on them, and even then, you can pass those off as like birthmarks or something like that like oh that's a that's an interesting charizard i I have to you know like they could just as easily live out in the wild and be on like no one would notice like would the other pokemon even notice that they were clones there's that's why i feel like that's a problem with the first movie if they wanted to establish that these clone pokemon were separate from other pokemon they should have added more mutations to them like instead of being perfect copies of pokemon they should have added other markings, like, like, or like, the horns are slightly different, like weird things that happened during the cloning process, like with Mewtwo. Mewtwo was a clone of Mew that turned into this whole other entity. So having weird other other forms of these characters would make more sense for the theme of these clones don't fit in, but they're exact copies. Literally, there's no way to tell that they are clones unless you were there. So why is he keeping them hidden? When he's the only one that really stands out besides the starters. So, 
it's just rehashing the themes from the first movie in a in a lazy way. It's it's just not a very fun movie to watch. Um, a Raiko and the Legend of Thunder was a was a bitch to find and find and watch. And once I did, like it was released as part of the Pokemon Chronicles short lived specials uh, that four kids did just before uh, they lost the license, and. It, this is just a terrible, terrible dub. Like this is like this was a special made in two thousand one to promote Pokemon Crystal, and it's canon within Pokemon because the character that they introduce here, the with the with Meganium, shows up in the in the main anime, and then this whole like Attila and Hun even show up in a in an intro to I think Jirachi Wishmaker or one of the other movies. So this. This special is canon, and yet it just doesn't do anything. It recycles all the all the recycles music from the movies to make it sound more epic than it needs to. It the dubbing is really bad, and it's just a pain to find to hunt down and find and watch. It just, it's not even worth finding to watch for its rarity. It's just a, a just a lame lame dub, and I'm wondering if the original version is any better but we don't, I don't have access to it so I can't say um, yeah Raikou and the Legend of Thunder is a real missed opportunity because Entei got its own movie Suikun got featured in its own movie Raikou got a special that didn't air until five years later and then was immediately dumped and forgotten so poor Raikou poor Raikou got the shaft out of all of them uh, going into the bottom ones uh, Kyurem and the Swords of Justice just all the you know all the you know movies are bad, and this is just such a worthless movie. Uh, K- Kirim is not a compelling character. None of the Swords of Justice are all that compelling, and then Ash is just there. So yeah, this is the worst aspect of the Pokemon movies, just rolled up into one. Next up is the first ever version exclusive movie where. We have two versions of the same movie, just with slight alterations. Like the games. Ha ha, ha ha, ha, jokes. So yeah, Pokemon Black and Pokemon White, Victini and Reshiram slash Zekrom. Uh, Storyline doesn't make sense in either of them. Uh, this whole weird thing of, like, this diaspora of people. Dragon energy. Like, this weird notion of, like... And then, like, Reshiram and Zekrom, don't, their whole, the whole thing of, like, their ideals and their truth... Like when Re- when it's uh, Reshiram, uh, your truth. I I sense your truth, and it's like doesn't that doesn't make any sense? What 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 is the story? It makes more sense when it's Zekrom. They should have just been Zekrom because that was about the ideals, and so here is his ideals, and then Ash represents the truth. But we gotta do it where. In one version, the villain has the Gothitelle, and then in the other, he has a Reuniclus. And and then it's just the same movie otherwise. So, well, in one version, the Golurk that his mom has is shiny. Ooh. Uh, it's just so, so unnecessarily comp- more, more work than was needed for just retelling the same story. Then the story wasn't very good to begin with. And so here we get to the worst of the uh, Pokemon movies, in my opinion. The worst of them actually... Main, main, mainline Pokemon movies, Giratina and the Sky Warrior. 
I absolutely hated this movie. Uh, Shaman is an annoying little character who puts Ash and gang on its own fetch quest escort mission. Like, nobody likes escort missions. But imagine uh, the escort mission was, wasn't even an option. And then, then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, now you're in an escort mission. Why, why am I in an escort mission? I, too bad, you gotta do the escort mission now. Why do I have to do, because but this is a this is an hour and a half long escort mission, and it's a terrible escort. And it, as cool as Giratina is, the villain doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, yeah, it just, this whole movie is a just a waste. I I didn't like any bit of it. So I can't recommend anybody seek out Giratina and the Sky Warrior. And as much as I loved the Diamond and Pearl era, the anime, this is the worst movie by far. Just an annoying waste of my time. So, that was the worst of the movies, but it's not the worst thing to, that Pokemon has ever created. And it's not the worst movie or special in the franchise. You know what the worst feature length uh, production is from Pokemon? Mastermind of Mirage Pokemon. For the 10th anniversary, the Pokemon, uh, Pokemon decided to make a special that was absolutely bug nuts insane. Like, the premise is, this doctor has created Mirage Pokemon, which are weird holograph Pokemon that are also real Pokemon, but only generate, but are actually made up of data. Their whole conception doesn't make any sense. You know what I compared it to? And I compared it to a weird fan idea I had after I watched Digimon Tamers and got really into it. Where Ash would collect Pokemon cards and use them to power up his Pokemon. My idea makes more sense than this actual creation from the Pokemon company. From the anime. From the, from the franchise. Where it's holograph Pokemon that are also real, but, can, but are made of data. And can, and can only exist in these generators. So... What's the deal? Are, are they Pokemon? Are they data? They imply that one of them has a soul. Like Professor Oak straight up says, no, that Pokemon had a soul and is now dead. But it's not dead. But we may see it again. But also but also the doctor escaped from his the fiery wreckage of his lab. But what but we never so He's still out there, but we never see him again because this whole ordeal was a waste of our time. It's a Pokemon special. It's a 10th year anniversary special. It was terrible. It, it, like, if you watch, by the way, by the way, if you watch the opening for this, mo- for this special, it literally gives away the, the, the big climax of the movie. It literally gives it the opening of this special spoils this special. Like imagine if the openings to the anime literally spoiled Ash losing the Pokemon League. Like how what? 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 Oh. Oh god. So yeah, um this special is mind-boggling. And I even proposed a way better one. My proposal my proposal for the 10th anniversary special included, like, Team Rocket. It's centered on Team Rocket as the villains. They're capturing Pikachu. 
Richie's there from the first one because he never because sh- he was the only real rival that Ash met more than once. So it would have been a great tribute to the to the ten years of uh, of of the series up to that point. Like the gym leaders are involved, and it's like this bit, and, and like Giovanni is there. He finally and he realizes exactly why Jesse and James have been hunting Pikachu this whole time, and it's like this whole it was this whole thing of. Of of a, of of the Pokemon franchise, and a tribute to everything that had come before it, and they were in the Kanto region, so they had all the Pokemon trainers. And Misty showed up, and and she had a reason to be there. Unlike this move, unlike the special, actual special. I do I do think it's sad that Misty showing up. Actually, blew, absolutely blew May out of the water, and it's like, yeah, why are you even here, May? Misty's clearly the better, superior companion. Why are you even here? <laughs> God, yeah, it's the the whole the tenth anniversary special is the worst Pokemon feature at length anything I've ever seen. It is god awful, and it was their anniversary special. Uh, so yeah, um. As for the franchise and the use of the movies, I will say the Pokemon movies are are fun, and they're a great way to showcase uh, the legendary Pokemon. But a lot of times they just end up being promotional material, and I think that's the biggest problem. Is that Giratina and the Sky Warrior was there to promote Platinum, and Raikou and the Legend of Thunder was there to promote Crystal, and Hoopa in the Class of Ages is there to promote Oros, and, you know, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew was leading up to Diamond and Pearl. Pokemon Ranger was there to promote the, that that weird spinoff game. Uh, the only ones that weren't there for, for promotion were, were, were for there for tribute. Origins was a tribute to the first game. The, the I Choose You was a tribute to the first to the first season of the anime. So... There was these weird things where the commercial side of Pokemon gets thrown into the mix and it becomes this weird promotional tool for the games and it it loses the impact of what the movie should have. The other main problem is that the effects of the movie are rarely ever seen outside of the movie. Like the only one that ever had real impact was Mewtwo Strikes Back because that had ties to the anime. We saw clip we saw we saw lead up to the movie in the anime. Like if. Think about this. If Pokemon Forever. Was where the GS ball. Led to. That would have been the perfect melting. Like we wanted it to be Celebi. But instead of in the TV show. It leads into the movie. Like Celebi appears out of the out of the GS ball. And, then, and that's what the storyline is about. How much better would Pokemon Forever have been. If it actually had all that build up from the anime. And then it led to that movie. You know. Uh, so yeah, it's just this weird, this weird mess of stuff. Like Genesect and the Legend Awakened, it premiered Mega Evolution, and was there to promote the upcoming Gen Gen 6. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of problems with, um, the Pokemon movies. And I think the biggest problem, and I think those problems stem from the commercial aspect of the franchise where they have to, they're basically used promotional tools, not as a good sort, like Detective Pikachu, the best ones, Detective Pikachu, Spell of the Unknown, 
Power of Us. They weren't really there. Like, Power of Us kind of promoted Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu because Eevee was the other starter that uh, one of the main characters got. But they were much more self-contained stories and were actually well-written and thought out. Like, Detective Pikachu isn't promoting anything. It's just bringing Pokemon into live action. So, it's just this... These opportunities are used by the Pokemon company to make these... Make, you know, like, what if the TV... Episodes of the TV series led up to each of the movies? Like, wouldn't that be interesting? But the Pokemon company makes them almost separate entities, so they may not have... So now... They, by the time Sun and Moon rolled around, they're just doing this whole new canon and rebooting the franchise so that it's now a more modern take on Ash. Where it's Ash, but he's in the modern day, but really only all he has is Pikachu. I don't even know if he has Charizard and Ichu in uh, The Power of Us. Because that was the only Pokemon he had besides Pikachu in I Choose You. So, yeah, it's... This, this, this movie franchise... The franchise... Um, in the movies aspect is very clearly not their focus. Their focus is on the games and then the and then the TV show, because that's where all the efforts really put into them in terms of like writing and the only time and like even now the animation is superb. And then whereas before the movie was the only time that the animation was really you know catered to because they had more budget and they could do it as self-contained rather than um, an ongoing thing. But yeah, it's. These movies, the sadly, most of the movies are average and below. Whereas with Godzilla, most of them are above average. Uh, so I think that's just been a thing with this franchise: is that the movies are not the focus, and you can tell that because they most of them are just average. Um, but you know, we do have something, some things to look forward to. Det- Legendary has three movies in the works. Detective Pikachu two was announced. Uh, Mewtwo has a solo movie that they want to do, and then they are interested in doing, retelling the story from Red and Blue in live action. I really hope that's like a series of movies. I hope that's like a trilogy, because trying to condense that whole plot into one movie feels very limiting. Like, you don't get, so that means probably no gym battles. It's just going to be, like, are the gyms going to be a part of it at all? Because if it's just going to focus on the plot of the game, then you're just going around the region fighting Team Rocket. And then all the cool stuff about making that a journey is lost. That's why I think making it a series makes more sense. But how much are you going to lose by condensing the game to one movie? That's why I feel like making it a trilogy of movies. uh, Building it up so that, you know, you film them all at like roughly the same time, Lord of the Rings style, so that there's not a lot lost. But then, but you make it so that you get to experience the games full on, like its own extended movie, you know, or maybe a mini series would work. But I'm, I'm very, I have a lot of concern about um, that one. But Mewtwo solo movie, hey, worked. The, hey, that's what they did for the first movie. So making Mewtwo the star, the making the real star of its own movie makes sense. Um, Detective Pikachu 2, I'm very interested to see how they follow this up. The game wasn't popular enough to get a sequel, but we'll see if uh, Detective Pikachu 2, how they how they follow up this movie, given everything that they've con- concluded with. So I'm very interested to see what they do with the plot for that. And then and, ter- and then from the Pokemon Company itself, uh, the next animated movie we're getting is later this year. In Japan, they're getting 
the CG animated remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back called Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, and I'm I'm do I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, the animation is not terrible. It does look kind of like a weird video game cutscene. It doesn't look very polished, but we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. So, and we have yet to find out what they're going to do with the movies now. If if the Sword and Shield anime are going to get their own movies, and we're just and the Sun and Moon arc just never gets any movies, uh, or if they're just going to continue with this aspect of Ash and his in this whole new continuity. We'll see what they decide to do, uh, but they haven't announced anything in that regard yet. So yeah, that was Pokemon at the movies. Uh, yeah, it was we, as much as I am a fan of Pokemon, I wholly acknowledge that the movies are not are are, are mostly not very good. They're mostly average, and I think that's a shame because this whole franchise could have been even better elevated if they put more effort into the movies, but. It is what it is. So yeah. Uh now that but with all this but since we have all the Pokemon stuff to look forward to, we'll see what happens now. Legendary is going full on to their Pokemon cinematic universe, and I can't wait. So uh with that uh, with the discuss with the discussion done with let's take a look at this week this past week's box office report. And now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report. Looking at the top seven now, uh, taking bear in mind that I'm recording this on Wednesday the 15th, so uh, the numbers are going to be a bit skewed because they'll include Monday and Tuesday as well. Um, but uh, looking at the top seven now, uh, we've lost a big chunk of them. Uh, Curse of Light is out, and Captain Marvel's out. Breakthrough is out. Uh, Tolkien only premiered at number nine with $2 million, so... So we're not even going to worry about that. But looking at the top seven right now, uh, for the weekend, uh, for this past weekend, we had Ugly Dolls, which brought in $4.1 million this weekend. And currently its domestic gross is up to $14.7 billion. It wishes. $14.7 million. And combined with the foreign markets, its uh, worldwide gross currently is $16.3 million. Uh... But this movie is also not premiered in China yet, where its production was, where a lot of its financing and production was based out of. I think that's who backed this movie. So once it gets to China, we'll see if it gets, uh, if if they uh, if they pick it up or not. But who knows? It may not even get a Chinese release, even though Chinese companies bankrolled it. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a b- bombing as of right now. But if but I would not be surprised if China ended up saving this movie. Uh, Number six this week, this past weekend was Palms with five point three million dollars, uh, and overall currently five point eight million dollars. And I'm guessing probably like a twenty million dollar budget. Uh, let me pull up the wiki for it. Budget for that one was $10 million, so about half its budget. Uh, not a great success, but I think it'll hopefully end up making its money back. I haven't seen it. I'll, I'm going to try to see it this coming weekend and catch up, but that's where it's at right now. Uh, number th- number five was last week's number three, The Long, sh- uh, long Shot, which brought in $6.2 million this w- that, uh, last weekend. 
Its current domestic gross is $20.4 million, and its worldwide gross right now is $27.5 million. And I think I saw it was like a $40 million budget, which, oof, that's not very good. So, yeah, it's it's not exactly making back its money just yet, but and it'll be lucky if it just breaks even. Uh, dropping down from number two to number four is The Intruder, which last weekend brought in $7.1 million. Its current gr- domestic gross is $22.1 million. And it has extra five hundred thousand from the foreign market, so it's twenty two point seven million dollars, which on an eight million dollar budget is a success. So good for it. Uh, premiering at number three this past weekend was The Hustle, brought in thirteen million dollars. Its current gross is uh, about double that. Domestic gross is thirteen point nine. Uh, foreign market is for thirteen point eight, bringing it up to twenty seven point seven million dollars. I think it was a 40... That was another $40 million movie. The Hustle. Oh, boy. Even Wiki doesn't have its budget listed. But, yeah, I think it was also... That was another $40 million movie. So, it definitely... It wasn't... It definitely barely made up half of that. We'll see if it ends up making back any money by the end. Maybe the only ones who got hustled were the filmmakers for trying to repass off this story again and getting just a bomb. And then uh, number two was, no no surprise, Detective Pikachu brought in $54.3 million, premiered uh, $54.3 million this past weekend, Uh, currently has $58 million, uh, and combined with the the world market, it has a total of $170 million dollars which fully makes back its budget. It's broken even its first weekend. So that means if they can double that by the end of its run, it'll be a success. And hey, it's already been announced for a sequel, so they obviously have faith in it. And then uh, staying, I think it also, I think what didn't help Pikachu was it can, it's still in the shadow of our number one movie, still... Avengers Endgame. After three weeks, it is still number one in the box office. Brought in $63.2 million this weekend. I'm thinking maybe by the time Godzilla comes out, it might... uh, Maybe Aladdin... You'll be... You would be most fitting if Aladdin, the next Disney property to get a really... The next Disney-owned prop... You know, uh, summer movie was the one to to, to topple Avengers at the box office. That would just be the most fitting. Especially now that they own Hulu. Oh, Lord. Anyway, uh, currently, Avengers has $728 million domestically and $2.5 billion worldwide. Do we need to say more? You know, it's just, we're just waiting for it to get the next, get get the next, break the next record. So, good for, I mean, once again, I can't say anything bad about it because, of course, like, this is well-deserved. For this for this franchise, so that was this weekend's box office report. Uh, and now that we've looked at the week that was, we look take a look to the week ahead in trailer talk. Coming this summer. It's trailer talk. Rated R starts Friday. So we have three new trailers uh, for movies coming out this weekend. Uh, first up, the big release, the one that people almost kind of forget about because this is such being becoming a really front-loaded summer, is John Wick 3, Chapter 3, Parabellum. So 
Yeah, like people, like I know the people are still excited, but after all the buzz from Endgame and Detective Pikachu, what we're, it's going to be interesting to see how, how John Wick fares. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it did better than Detective Pikachu because this has a built-in fan base. They love this movie. Whereas Detective Pikachu was very trepidatious. Even the Pokemon fans, they could have been hit or miss with this. So we'll see where John Wick ends up. But first, let's take a look at that trailer. You have no idea what's coming. Carrie, continuing from the last movie. Great action. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Halle Berry as an action star. Good to see you too. Something we did, never really got the chance to see thanks to Catwoman. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. Our service is still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. On May 17th. You think you can take John Wick? You've got a nasty surprise coming. Lawrence Fishburner's back. I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. <laughs> Dog fights! Dogs fighting! Horse! Horseback fighting! On motorcycles! But this only ends one way. Has consequences. I, I missed the part. God, the motorcycle fight! It's so good! So good! Sword fighting on motorcycles! John Wick, Chapter 3. Parabella. Because of a puppy? Wasn't just a puppy. Yeah, I think that was the honestly uh, the only real time that the movies themselves have acknowledged. Like, I think the first one did it, but like the fact that they're acknowledging that the move that this is all over. This started off. This is all kicked off because some Russian, some Russian mobster's son killed the last gift that gift his dead wife gave him, and it was a puppy. So that because these these this one douchebag kid of a mobster killed his puppy, uh, which was the last uh, gift he had from his wife, this whole sequence of events has been set into motion. It's, it's very crazy to think about, and this looks hella good. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, and this is definitely going to be my Thursday night watch. Uh, the next big release is one that I've been sorely wanting to get out of the way. It's the, the much-awaited sequel to A Dog's Purpose, A Dog's Journey. Let's take a look. Ready? 
I'm ready. Go, Bailey! My name is Bailey, and this is my boy, Ethan. You enjoying the breeze, boss dog? Yeah, it's so weird to see uh, Dennis Quaid being this just generic character after seeing him be a, such a compelling villain. That isn't getting any easier. That is getting any easier. This is CJ, the greatest new addition to our pack. Hmm, there's nothing in that cup. I love mornings with our granddaughter. So did I. Mostly because she gave me bacon. Is he ever taking a bath with the filthy dog? I'm just having fun. Oh, CJ's mom wants to play too. Okay, that explains more why, um... Pretty soon, CJ. Why the mo- so the mom is just very high high maintenance. The car, but I just didn't have the energy. Bailey, 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 you've done so much for me. When you come back the next time, take care of CJ. She needs you like I needed you. And then it happened. I was a puppy again, and CJ was my new purpose. She was a gigantic baby now. Ah, uh, God. Sit. You have to be the authority. Lie down. What is she saying? No idea. You see? CJ, I have a date tonight. Again? I could always tell when my girl needed me. When you fall like a statue, I'm gonna be there to catch you, put you on your feet. As soon as I can, I'm getting out of here. I'm gonna move to New York City. Wait. I smell my boy! Even it's me, Bailey! What makes you think you can just show up like this? We want to see our granddaughter, please. You just keep taking care of Yeah, this this trailer gives a little more information on big dog. You can get up for anything. No matter how many lives it took, I would be there for CJ. Hello. Where did you come from? Looks like he chose you. Things don't always turn out as we plan. But sometimes the surprises are the best part. Like a drum, baby, don't stop beating. There's lots you don't know about that dog. Like a drum, my heart never stops beating. St- the story of a dog's purpose continues. Experience the journey of many lifetimes. I don't have all the answers. But I know we end up where we're meant to be like a drum my heart never stops beating for so i think they're implying that dennis quaid finally dies in this movie but it's hard to say all i know is that this whole this whole premise rubs me the wrong way because it's basically saying oh yeah dog's purpose is to continually die over and over again and be held to this one family in perpetuity like a slave just 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 terrible like the real thing about this is that we're like four generations into the future and it's just like why am i still coming back please make the pain stop why won't the pain ever stop (laughs) like the dog's committed suicide like three times because it's just a never-ending pain it just wants to end it wants to die let me die let me die why can't i die (laughs) oh this this franchise it bugs me so much i don't know why it's trying to i think it's because it's so it what it's portraying itself to be so wholesome but as but the implications it has are so it, it, it they have no idea what they're implying by doing what they're doing it really is just ugh, 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 ugh. 
Yeah. Anyway, last up this this weekend is one that I've been talking about on my trailer talk that I've been mentioning, uh, and that one that I'm kind of ready to be done with just because the trailers have not been selling me on it. We're talking about The Sun is Also a Star. I didn't even realize this is the weekend it was coming out, but I can't wait to get it through. Let's see what this new trailer has in store. I always believed it would take a lifetime to understand the human heart. In the end, all it took was a single day. What's your name? Natasha. Oh, Daniel. There was a reason. I don't believe in love. What if I could get you to fall in love with me? Just give me a day. I'm not changing my mind, though. My ingredients to falling in love are friendship, chemistry, and the X Factor. What's the X Factor? Don't worry. (laughs) So, yeah, this is not as just pretentious as the first trailer was. It's also a little shorter. I didn't realize it was that short, but yeah, um, yeah, that first trailer that they did was so pretentious. This, you know what this movie is to me from the advertising? This movie is marketing, it is being marketed as every generic rom-com now for people, but now with, for people who are, who, uh, brag about their IQ. This is the rom-com for people who brag about the, their IQ in their Tinder profiles. Because that's exactly what this comes off as. It's just, I don't believe in love. Don't worry, we've got the X factor. Ah, oh, God. My key ingredients to love. Ah. I've never truly understood the depths of the human heart. Ah, God, get over yourselves. Oh, I am so intelligent. These are the f- I am truly the first person to ever really consider these long-standing, perfectly well-understood concepts of human, of human existence. <laughs> Get over yourselves, you pretentious twats. God. So, yeah. Um, I don't think I'll hate this. I just think it'll be boring. Just because it's going to pretend to be so smart... But it's just going to be pretentious. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that I'm very interested to see uh, if Kyle ends up reviewing this or not. If he likes it, I'll give him that. You know, he can like it all he wants. You can like this. It just, to me, it comes off as trying to sound smarter than it is. And, and uh, you know, making it sound like because they they talk about smart things that their story is better when all it does is just show it's all, it's all just the same thing. Just tr- just showing off that they're smart. I am so smart. I am so smart. S M R T. I mean, S M A R T. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's what we got looking forward to this weekend. And that about does it for this week's episode, which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can do so by favoriting us on your 
web browser and whitelisting us on your ad blocker and checking out all of our other fine programming uh as as of the date of this release you'll also be uh joining uh, you can also join us on our book club podcast uh living in the stacks where uh the four of us are back together again and we're talking rooms by lauren oliver here are our thoughts on that um but just like we say in the episode there are some content warnings given the subject matter but, yeah, hear us talk about that uh, over on Living in the Stacks. You can also check out all of Donna's stuff on the Snarkcast. Uh, uh, the Snarkcast itself, Once More with Feeling, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, The Family Business. Um, uh, all that's available uh, as well. Uh, Mike and I are going to try and get Majide. We're, we're st- life's, life is, a, life is a, you know, a series of trying to schedule all the stuff you want to do in it. So, uh so once Mike and I find the time to get back to Majide, we'll definitely get, we'll definitely gonna do that. We're gonna I really want to pick up with uh, the Netflix Godzilla movie, uh, uh, the Planet of the Monsters, because uh, we're gonna have some thoughts about it. He and I differ on that a bit, but maybe I'll feel differently when I rewatch it because I'm rewatching all the Godzilla stuff, and that's gonna be part of it. Uh, the net three Netflix Godzilla movies. Uh, which are which apparently are sequels to Shin Godzilla. They're in that continuity, I believe. But I'll double check uh, for sure. Uh, suffice to say that that that's going to be in the works. We got something. I've got something else in the works too, but I can't give it away too much until it's all ready to go. So when we get all that all the odds and ends sorted out, uh, I'll be sure to announce it. Uh, but if uh, you've listened to your to your podcasts on your mobile devices, you can find us on pretty much all your uh, podcast providers: iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Um, I'm trying to get us onto Podbean as well, but that's that that I'm not bringing enough to put us there. Uh, you can also find us on Pinecast. That's where our new host is, uh, and. If you want to help the show out, you, the least you the least you can do is leave a five star rating and review to let people know that you like the show and they they should check it out. Uh, you can also sh- support the show through both Pinecast and through uh, Patreon. Uh, Pinecast, I'm gonna still I'm gonna keep trying to upload the uh, the, ep- the the episodes uh, from Patreon as well to, to include for, pe- for to the first couple of um, of the uh, make a bet I believe the no the Munchalongs. My songs? No. Make it better movies. The make it better movies are uh well I think there's a couple munch alongs on there right now. But but point is I'm trying to migrate some of the Patreon content over the Pinecast, uh so that pay, so that donors there can get access to them as well. But uh the 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 uh tip jar link for Pinecast will be in the description for this episode and uh and the Patreon link will be there as well. Uh Go to patreon.com slash popcorn junkie and there you'll find um you will get early access to the new episodes just because of my recording schedule. I don't have time. But uh you will get a- you will get access to the back backlog of ten epi- of the nine extra episodes for Make a Better Movie and Munch Along. And if you donate enough, you can also I'll also start producing patron only content. Um But that's if you start donating over at patreon.com slash popcorn junkie. Uh, and little as a dollar a month, it's all monthly donations. There's no tier system. You get access to whatever it, whatever content goes on to Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, 
there, but if you but if you can't financially support the show, I completely understand. I can, I can barely support the shows I want to support. So you can always um, share, share us on your social media. Our social media home is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie. That's where all the major announcements are going to be. You can join me on Twitter at cornjunkiepod. That's where I do a lot of the, t- the trailer talks before movies, munch-alongs for when I'm watching a movie, and, you know, basically interacting with other film people and reviewers and whatnot. Uh, you can also... I, the Instagram is basically dead. I have never been a, a big on Instagram kind of person. So it's just kind of there, and I use it to announce new episodes, ultimately, or when I'm seeing a new movie. But... Um, then, you know, you can also join me on Stardust, where I'm very active, and I'm continuing to do the daily uh, God- Hail to the King retrospective for Godzilla in the lead-up to King of the Monsters. Um, you can join me on Letterboxd if you search for Popcorn Junkie. You can find me there and get uh, written reviews for all the movies I've been watching lately. And then, um, you know, if you, wanna, if, you, if you have any thoughts on my review, what did you think of uh, my reviews for Detective Pikachu, The Hustle, and Tolkien? Do, you have, do your thoughts differ? Uh, how do they differ? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Pokemon franchise? Do, what movies are your favorites? You know, if you have any thoughts on what I've said this episode or any corrections you want me to make, uh, send all of that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave the, if you make, leave a note in either the subject or the message saying that you give me explicit permission, permission to use that, your email, I will read it out on the mic. Otherwise I'll just paraphrase. So, you know, I'd love to hear back from the audience to let, you know, it lets me know that people are listening. So, uh, that, that does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and I still gotta catch them all. Even though there's like over 700 of them now. Christ, we're gonna get up to a thousand Pokemon, and I still want to catch them all! theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio. N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. <laughs>